my gift as a coach isn't really just results-based coaching because results-based coaching, how I grew up is like, okay, well, what do you need? I need to cold call. Why don't you cold call? Yep. I'm afraid of it. And I would say, what, what kind of man are you going to be? Right? So you would, so you'd force misaligned action, yep. which, and I don't do that anymore. So now what I figured out how to do is to coach at the environment level. So basically you align the mental environment and then the action's automatic. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Well... You guys feeling good? Yeah. Feeling good. Okay, yeah. that was a cute yeah. little kiss. Look at you guys. First, uh, first, first joint podcast. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So we are yes. on, and I am excited about this yeah. because, Jason, I have talked to you on Instagram Lives a number of times. Number I've interviewed you on Bigger Pockets a few times. We have had a lot of stuff together. That's why yesterday we decided to pull an Audible and add in Alexis. So thank you guys for joining today. Yeah, we're so excited. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. So yeah. I know you guys today very much as... Jason, you've been my coach for, I don't know, I should look back, but it's been a long, it was before Hawaii, long before Hawaii, yeah, before Hawaii. and that's been five years. So five years, yeah. yeah. So we got to be at six years at least of us coaching together, maybe seven. Yes. Forever. Yeah. So I, and I broadcasted you, you're coach to the stars, we're going to call it, and Brandon. <laughs> uh, and uh, you, know, you coach a lot of high level entrepreneurs, real yeah. estate investors, business owners, et cetera. And then Alexis, I know you via, obviously Jason talks about you a lot. Uh, he seems to like you quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you, I, I wrote down here, educator, 25 plus years, master in child development. You have a thing called the Parent Academy coming out mm-hmm. uh, where you help parents. We have all that cool stuff today, but I want to go back, reverse a little bit and go back to an earlier time in your life. So who were you two before you were you two? Where were you independently before you met and uh, walk us through your journey a little bit? You want to go first? No, no, you go first. Okay. So we're like the poster child for match.com. Oh, really? You were really uh, Match.com? We were Match.com. match.com. Yeah, we were one that. of their success stories. Success stories. Uh, yeah. At the time, I was working at a preschool. I had finished my master's, and I had decided that I was not interested in having a relationship. I was planning on having a child by myself. Mm. Super independent. <laughs> and <laughs> and for Christmas, my mom said, I would just really like to get you a Match.com subscription. Like, just go on one date. Mm. Here's one date. There's one date. Yeah. That's and, cute. And... Uh, I had some pretty low criteria. I wanted somebody who had a full-time job and a nice car. Yeah, and he go. did. He had a full-time job and a nice car. What was that full-time job at the time? Yeah. At the time, I was working for Avaya, territory okay. sales manager, and I had a brand new Audi A4, oh. black on black, titanium edition. Uh, and on our first date, we went down to Stinson Beach, and it was a manual. Mm. And she... I asked her, did you ask to drive? I forget her. I said, do you want to drive? And she did. And she was like, she scared me a little bit because she, <laughs> she could drive a manual transmission. So yeah. she like passed my first test. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Any woman who can drive a manual, that's pretty impressive. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you, you got together and uh, what drew you to her, Jason? I had been in um, a previous relationship that with a roommate that didn't really go that well. And then mm-hmm. had been wanting to like start a family and... My process was, you know, I had, I had quite a bit of challenges in my first marriage and there was some, it was actually kind of challenging like that. When I left my previous wife, she attempted suicide. So it was Ooh. like a really challenging year or two. Yeah. And, and I went through some processes. I met this coach, this woman named Kim Lee. And I, she literally, like, I went to the session with her and I literally came out brand new. It was mm-hmm. the craziest thing. 
That's cool. And then literally like a month later, I get a wink from her on, on match.com. <laughs> was it a wink? I think they were winks, right? I think it was and a wink. Yeah. It was a wink. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's then, what it was then, back then. And then I'm like, hmm, teacher, you know, and I, and I was like, oh my God, I'm single. I haven't been single for years. I'm going to have so many sex with so many. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, going to go And literally yeah, first I, did one. I didn't hook up with anything. That's Nobody hilarious. really. Right. <laughs> so, and she was like the first one. And when I started typing response, all of a sudden I, this memory of childhood with teachers came up and I'm like, where did that come from? Mm. And like literally the next, next day we're on the phone until like four in the morning and mm. kind of how it went. Is that yeah. where your uh, interest in coaching started was in that by hiring a coach for yourself to get through that? Or where did that, the coaching desire come from? That was 2008. The coaching started later. Okay. Yeah, you know, at the time I had started a company with my engineer I worked with. Um, like I was, I was a territory sales manager for Avaya and Telecom and my, my territory sales engineer, we were friends. He was into like auto racing and he discovered these products, like the cool shirt product with the, sh- the shirt, white, the cotton shirt with the tubes on it, right? That they would race cars would wear because it's really hot like, inside like cools there. Cools them down. Cools them down, okay. right? Because you know it can be 140 degrees in a race car. Like really? it's like really that hot. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they rip everything with, like out. the wind blowing in, it would stay. I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> made the wind of the blowing. I've been in races <laughs> where like the accelerator pedal was glowing red hot. Wow. Yeah, it's, crazy. It's intense, right? Mm-hmm. So we developed this product that was basically a camel black molded bladders on a shirt that we connected to this system that pumped cold water through it. And it was electrical versus ice based. And that was uh. the, kind of the premise of the company. And during that time, I had been listening to Tony Robbins. I first found Tony Robbins in like 2001, 2002. I did personal power, like that stuff. I got a postcard from a free intro session. I called in, got a free introductory coaching session and hired a coach. Mm. And the goal was to help me run a business because I didn't know anything about running businesses yeah. back then. This was like 2010. And then it was... Probably, I had a six-month coaching contract that stopped, and then I went to UPW in 2012. Let's unleash the unleash power, the power with mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Tony's, yeah. and I drug her there. She didn't Did want to go. Really? I drug her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, come on! So I drug her there, and then I True. signed up with my coach again, because yeah. he was there. And then in that next six-month period, he asked me the question, have you ever thought about becoming a coach? And when I got asked that question, it was like I got struck by lightning. Like, my life changed in that moment. I'm oh. like, I'm going to become a coach. Alexa, how did you, so he drug you to a Tony Robbins event. And Tony Robbins yeah. event, for those who don't know, I mean, they're, I've not been to one, but they're pretty intense. Like they're, yeah, they're very, lot, they're almost cultish. Yes, exactly. Yeah, a lot of jumping, <laughs> dancing, hugging. I'm just going to say it out loud. Yeah. Yep. And I've known a lot of people who have had just life-changing experiences and I've had people who are like, that was the weirdest cultist experience. I'm not, I'm yeah. never going to go. Yeah. What was your take? When you I went mean, there and then afterwards. Like, okay, like one of the things that drew me to Jason was he was very open to spiritual conversations. He was very grounded. He seemed to have like, a practice of self-care that I really admired. So I thought I'd give it a try, right? I went, I hated it. Oh. Um, <laughs> it was like a little over the top for me. I walked across fire. I did the whole deal. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's amazing, but it's just not for me. Yeah. So that was mostly my experience there. So you didn't walk up, like after the fire thing, you didn't like, that was the coolest experience of my life. I'm changed. I mean, it was just like, well, I walked across fire. Yeah, like anything in life, right? You give it a try. There's things that you yeah. take away and you're like, wow, that was really something special. I mean, when we tell our kids that we walked across fire, yeah. they're like, oh my goodness, that's so amazing. <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, like, yeah, that, that is kind of amazing. So the fire, um, the fire yeah. thing, is that, I don't know if you didn't know, you, yeah. is that legit? And what I mean by that is like, if I if there was exactly the situation right here with the coals, I didn't go through the Unleashed Power thing. I didn't do any of the thing. Yeah. I just was like, there are the coals and I'm gonna walk across it. Would I be just as fine physically? You know, does that make sense, right? Is yeah. it more of a mental thing of getting well, over the fear of walking Could you just walk across it? them and not get burned? No. Okay. It's, it's a really interesting experience because it's channeling a physiological state in your body 
that has so much power that it's stronger than getting burned. Mm. That's what it is. It's yeah, a, that's what I was wondering. It's, it's a physiological like, state change. Yeah, it's a state of mind. It's yeah. a state change. Sure, yeah. and they and they walk you through it, yeah. and they have the drums playing, yeah. and you're you know you're like you're into it. Yeah. Overall, it's a great experience. Yeah, yeah. but you wouldn't. You didn't do it again, though. But you I would. didn't do it again. Okay. And I was not thrilled when Jason announced that he was going to become a Tony Robbins coach. <laughs> like we can do, we can walk across coals every night, every honey. Night. Yeah. yeah. And it was a little bit like that in the beginning, Brandon. Yeah. It was a little like life is so exciting. I'm so pumped every single day. And yeah. we had two really small kids and yeah. you know, life didn't always feel like that. Yeah. Well, no, so. Actually what happened is we, Magnus, our second son was due right around Easter and we moved from Mill Valley to Rockland, California, and we basically cut our rent in half. Mm. So Alexis was running a preschool there. So she closed that down. She's going to stay home with the two boys. And then the day after I move there, I get fired from my job. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to become a coach. And she has a baby due in four weeks. Yeah. Right. And yeah. most of our, we didn't really have any savings because we were in entrepreneur stuff for a few years before then. So that's when the, that's when it got really Hard, yeah. really hard, right? So I have this yeah. moment where I'm super excited and passionate about doing this, but I'm not going to make money for six to eight months, but everything in, inside of me is telling me to go this direction. How'd you make money during that time? Like, how'd you survive? We got on unemployment. I did what I could. We were on food assistance from the state. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We yeah. were, you know. Help and, from family. Yeah. Help from family. Yeah. But you just believe that's like, that's what you were meant to do, Jason. Well, and I was trying everything. I didn't want to get another job. Yeah. But I did, I didn't want, but I did actually try. And the interesting thing about the tech industry and at that time is that, you know, I had been to Bay, you had Bay Area and you had Sacramento, right? And it was extremely common to have a tech company where the engineer comes from Sacramento and drives down there all the time. So I didn't have any concerns about getting a job there. But during that period, nobody was hiring Sacramento people for Bay Area jobs anymore. Mm. So it was like, I tried for three or four jobs and I just couldn't get a job. It, like, it just wasn't lining up. So I basically started going to the Chamber of Commerce every week and trying to get my own clients. Mm. And that's how you would, you would make your money is by getting clients, yeah. get them signed up. And then what were you coaching them on at the time? Well, that's like when I started, you know, the Tony Robbins training. So I was just starting. So at that level, it was really just basic goal setting and accountability. Okay. I actually got my very first client before I had any training whatsoever. I went to UPW. Six months later, I went to Date with Destiny. And Date with Destiny was really cool because I got to see a lot of coaching happen there. Tony does a lot of coaching. It's like, that event's amazing. That's cool. And then literally I came back, I said, I'm a, I'm a coach on Facebook and somebody said, I'll hire you. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, there, there yeah. is a, I've noticed a strong, like almost everybody in our world, meaning like the kind of the, uh, I don't say like high performance world, we'll call it. Like people yeah. that are like real estate investors or business owners, everybody kind of understands like a coach would help me uh, mm -hmm. because it's one of those, what I call an asymmetric bet. So it's a bet that, the downside is, yeah, I might spend a few thousand dollars, you know, for a few months of coaching, whatever it costs, and I might lose that if I get nothing. But if I do get something, my upside is millions of dollars. It's a transformed business, a transformed marriage, a transformed life. Mm -hmm. And so most people are pretty open to the idea of coaching in our world, right? Yeah. If they believe that the value's there, yeah. if they believe that they're actually going to get it. And so, which is, yeah, which is interesting because in the non-high performance world, uh, we were just talking about this uh, on a different podcast, but people don't get coaching at all. They're like, I don't need coaching. And it's, it's funny that the people that are the high performers get coaching because they realize that they need help or it's everyone else who doesn't. Do you encounter that a lot of people who say they don't need it or are most people pretty receptive to your There's a ideas? handful of people that just don't operate that way. Sure. But I'd say the vast majority of people will benefit from it. The vast yeah. majority. Because yeah. coaching helps you get out of your own way. You see different perspectives. You start expanding. And you know, so some people are, have to get over their 
their relationship with themselves to invest in themselves. Yeah. Investing in themselves in a coach, like spending thousands of dollars for yourself on yeah. like your personal improvement is not normal. Yeah. How old are your kids now? Five, seven, nine, and 12. So you had a, I mean, it spread a little bit, but not that much. You would have oh, had, not much. yeah, you would have had a bunch of little kids, yeah. like a baby and a toddler and like the, yeah. that you were in it for a number of years. So Alexis, what was that like for you during that time? Were you working like, were you full-time momming? Like, is that a word, momming? Yeah, full-time momming. Momming, okay. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, I was doing, I think I was doing a lot of both. Okay. You know, I was thinking I was doing, I was definitely in the full-time momming. I mean, I had yeah. a toddler and pregnant for like Ooh. 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you're always full-time momming, but I was always looking for something else also. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of moments during those years. You know, one thing I will say about Jason is, when he decides to do something, it is full on and he does not stop. Like mm. pedal to the metal, full gas. And so in those moments when you're building and working and trying, I think there were just a lot of me that said, I'm not going to let whatever's happening in our family or monetarily or where we're at with our business, like keep me from being super present with my kids yeah. or looking at goals that I might want four or five years down the road. So I worked at preschools, you know, I was very involved in the kids' education. And when ACE was about 18 months, I, you know, went back to work and I got back in the classroom and it felt really good. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, but I made a commitment to like go work at the schools that the kids were at. Mm. It is a whole different level of managing a household, not just when your kids are babies, but once they get into elementary school, it's not that much easier yeah. Once they start in being away from home, yeah, um, it's more. And so I dabbled in, you know, parent coaching myself and creating groups and mom clubs and, you know, keeping, yeah. keeping yeah. it my What's your advice, Alexis, for moms right now that are maybe watching this at home? Sure. And it could be, you know, maybe dads, like stay-at-home dads, but let's just call it like kind of stay-at-home moms right now that are just in it, like just struggling, right, to find their identity, to find the peers, like to find any of that, they're just like, they're in it, right? Like I was like, cause I know that feeling of just like, we're, yeah. we're in it right now. My wife's yeah. in it right now. Yes. Like what's exactly. your advice for women like that? You know, parenting is such a multifaceted role. It will challenge everything you think about yourself, everything you think about the world, the values that you have for your family. And you're not expected to get it right, right away. Mm. It is a process. It is a journey. It is getting up every single morning and hardly sleeping the night before sometimes, <laughs> which is just different on your nervous system. So there's so many things at play. I think we tend to get really hard on ourselves. When times are tough, I, my biggest suggestion, just sit down on the floor and play with your kids. Mm. That's it. Because you get this like one little window and they really don't care if your clothes are clean. Yeah. They don't care where they're going to go to college. You know, <laughs> they don't care how much money is in the bank. They don't even care if mom and dad are like necessarily completely getting along at that time. Yeah. You know, we're holding all these other things in our head about our own relationships and who we are now. Just sit down, just sit down and play with your kids on the floor. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus there's these two sisters, right? Mary and Martha. And Jesus is hanging out at their house. And Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet, just like hanging out and talking and learning and laughing and all this stuff. And her sister Martha's in the kitchen cooking and making food and all this stuff and just being very responsible. And this responsible one, Martha goes to Jesus and is like, hey, tell my sister to get up and help me. And he's like, no, she's doing the right thing. Like she's doing the thing. Yes. And I, I love that story because it reminds me of like, like not necessarily Jesus, but with my kids, especially, you know, am I 
trying to be responsible all the time. And I'm always cooking and cleaning. My wife's cooking and cleaning and we're helping. We're making sure they get their homework done because we're homeschooling and all the things right. But sometimes it's like, no, what's the better thing to sit on the floor? Like you just said, I have to remind myself of that constantly. And Heather has to remind herself constantly. It's okay to sit and just enjoy. I remember one year I called it the year of sliced apples because (laughs) I don't know if you ever go to the grocery store and walk by, but there's, you can buy pre-sliced apples. And I would look at them and be like, who doesn't have time to cut apples? (laughs) And one day I was like, someone cuts apples for you? This is the best invention ever. You know, so it's kind of making those, even though it's a tiny swap, it was just such a metaphor for like where we're at Mm. and that there is there's help out there and there is support out there. And it might just look like, well, someone cut the apples yep. for me and left them in the grocery <laughs> store and I can just pick them up and move on. Yeah, And yeah. it won't always be like, I think it's a good reminder. It won't always be it that way, right? It won't always be that it's, way. It's a short time frame. You know, right now my wife, I think, I don't want to speak for her, but I, sure. I think she struggles because a big piece of her identity is the, as a chef or as a, uh, a cook, a baker. She loves, she's a, an incredible cook. She can make anything in the world and she just can't do it. Because she's got these two little kids and she's homeschooling them. And all of a sudden it's 4.30 and there's no dinner started. You can't make a great meal, you know, in an hour. It's like takes all day. Yes. And she's really struggled with this idea of like, do we just order out again? And like, I'm, she's not feeling right. So like, it, I, I try to remind her often like that this is just a phase. If we have to order out food four nights a week, that's okay. If we have to go get meal prepped, if we have to get our apples sliced. Yeah. That's okay Exactly. Right now. Your values yeah. are not not there. They're just different. Yeah. You know, the things that you value are going to be different. Maybe you've you know, more value the time together and the connection versus who you might've been as a chef. And that's hard to let go of. I mean, that's, that's the hardest part, right? It's like a new identity, but I guarantee you she'll get back in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it (laughs) it helps helps her remember, I think maybe that like, you're not abandoning the identity. You're just sitting on the shelf for a little bit. Like right now I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be, and it can be in any area of life, right? Like you're just saying, Hey, right now I'm not the entrepreneur. Right now I'm not the, the chef. Right now I'm not the the writer or the author or the coach. Like, I'm just going to put that there for now. It's still there. And I can come back to it later. Absolutely. And when you have those little moments in time, like maybe you have a relative come visit or you hire a babysitter and you're like, oh my goodness, you know what I really would like to do would be, I'm going to cook a really nice meal or I'm going to go to the grocery store by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself those little gifts of reminding you who you are. Yeah. Ooh, that's really good. All right, so let's go to, I, I want to get to where Jason and I, our paths yeah. cross. So it starts with, I mean, you were coaching, you know, a number of people, coaching, yeah. just kind of growing that. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a gentleman named Kevin who you were coaching, and Kevin, I was yeah. in a small mastermind group with him. Uh, I think he was part of GoBundance. Yeah. And Kevin and I, I mentioned now, I, I should probably get a coach. And he said, oh, you should talk to my guy, Jason. And uh, I'm like, okay. So I did. And uh, we hit it off. And that was, again, probably six or seven years ago. Six or seven. And, and also, like, Kevin, he also, didn't he flip like 100 houses? Yeah, that was the guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a story. I, I love that story. He was the guy that his first year flips 100 houses. And when I asked him on a podcast how he did that, he said, I didn't know that's not what you're, I didn't know that wasn't what you're supposed to do. Like, I didn't know that <laughs> so wasn't the great. way. Yeah. <laughs> so great. And it's because, like, all his friends were flipping 100 houses. Like, that was the yeah. norm. I just love that example. You know, we've talked a lot about, yeah. and one of the phrases I say all the time is make the impossible, you know, surround yourself with people who make the impossible look like a Tuesday morning. Yeah. So in other words, like, like I have a friend we interviewed recently on the show, uh, Cameron and Lexi. There's this couple that flip a hundred plus houses every year mm-hmm. and they've only been doing this for three years. And every year they flip a hundred houses, like pretty much the same similar story. Yeah. And when I asked them how they were able to do that, it was the same thing. He's like, well, I got like this mentor who was flipping 300 houses mm-hmm. a year. And I was just like, well, what are you doing? And then we just did that. And we flipped a hundred houses. It's not that crazy. And this is why 
I don't think anything else, like there's a perfect metaphor or a maybe segue into the idea of mindset. I think people think of mindset oftentimes as a foo-foo, woo-woo kind of a thing. Yeah. But that's an, that's a very real example of what it is. If you go in with a mindset yeah. of I'm going to flip one house this year, that is a very different mindset than I'm going to flip 100 houses. And there's tactical mm-hmm. things here. But can you talk a little bit, like, why is the mindset, is the mindset the basis? Is there anything else we should cover besides mindset? But Because you're a mindset coach, you would say, right? I am a mindset coach. Yeah. yeah. How I became an expert in mindset in a concept that's really hard to explain to most people, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cause you went to just basic goals and accountability. It started basic goals and accountability. You know, I was, I was, I went to work for Tony Robbins because I decided, I'm like, if I can, if I work for Tony Robbins, I'll learn how to be successful. Yeah. And I wanted to be successful. I'm like, I'm gonna, we have four kids. I'm in my forties. I don't have much money. So I have a W2 ain't going to cut it. Yep. So I was thinking I need to do that. And, and it only took me, and I started coaching for Tony Robbins in 2013 and I started using those techno tools and technologies, but it was only less than a year later where I started to evolve past his, his tools. Mm-hmm. And I started developing my own tools that worked much better. And, and it was really grounded in my own personal growth. Like every piece of content that comes out of JDC is I've lived. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like, it's directly attached to me. It's good or bad or whatever it is. So it's, and what we don't realize about mindset, it's, and the simplest way to, for people to understand mindset, it's like point of view, right? It's a point of view. Like a new real estate investor can look at this and see one opportunity and you can look at things and see radically different opportunities, right? So, and, and what we don't realize is that we're operating in a little box. That's our mindset because your brain is cataloging everything that was put into it prior to now for your entire moment, where you went to school, how you were educated, all of that stuff. And that creates your expectations and that creates your mindset. So every step forward you take, your brain's trying to keep you alive, yeah. not successful. Mm-hmm. So it's basically comparing. It's like it's like driving a car, staring in the rearview mirrors. Mm. And all of us, we're driving the car with the pedal down. And we're building on bigger engines and things like that at the same time while we're staring in the rearview mirrors, right? So what I like to think I do is I rip off the rearview mirrors so you can only look forward. Mm. That's powerful. So how do you, Alexis, then, I guess, how do you deal with a husband who Deal is a, with. Yeah, <laughs> a mindset coach. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's also a Jason question is, do you have to refrain from coaching your wife or do you allow that? Or how does that interaction uh, go? That's such a good question. Cause he'll always <laughs> say you can't coach your wife yeah. or he'll walk around and he'll see me struggling with something and say, can I give you some coaching on that? No, no, you can't give me any I, coaching I on that. I do that anymore. Not that, as much when anymore. When I first started You're coaching, right. I did. Yeah. I was like, I wanted to coach everybody, but now yeah. I'm like, they're, there's been a few situations where she will want coaching, yeah, but I can't, that's yeah. not a role that I, I'm not the coach in her life. Yeah. That's no. not a role. No. You know, there's moments where you're in that growth pattern too, of maybe your mindset isn't there. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the human part of being human and being a coach. Like he's an amazing coach at home. He doesn't have to be a coach every single second. Yeah. And sometimes I get to be the one that's supporting him or helping with him, his mindset, because I'm giving a different perspective that he may not see, you know, and then your kids are always going to give you a different perspective that you maybe didn't see. They're going to call you out on all kinds of things. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, we've moved through so many different things together in our life, growing at the same time, growing a family, growing yourself, being self-aware. But we're also moving a different process, right? Where she, um, like, I, I can see that right now. Somehow I've developed the, the ability to pick up on misalignment in people. Mm. That's, I just, I can't not see it. Yeah. Right. And my gift as a coach isn't really just 
results-based coaching because results-based coaching, how I grew up is like, okay, well, what do you need? I need to cold call. Why don't you cold call? Yep. I'm afraid of it. And I would say, what, what kind of man are you going to be? Right. So you would, so you'd force misaligned action, yep. which, and I don't do that anymore. So now what I figured out how to do is to coach at the environment level. So basically you align the mental environment and then the action's automatic. Can you explain that more? Like mental environment and misalignment. What is that? Well, it's like the right action in the wrong environment. You can be in real estate taking the right action, but if you're in the wrong market, it'll never work. Mm -hmm. Right? So, but if you start in the right market, you're going to have a much better chance of figuring out the action. That's a good metaphor. I like that. Right? Yeah. Because what we, our brains tell us that action creates reality, but that's not true. Reality creates your action. Like our bodies are energy. We're made of atoms. We're not even solid. And like, if you're in a happy frequency, you'll have happy thoughts and happy actions. If you're a sad frequency, you'll have sad thoughts and sad actions. Same thing with success. So when I started to figure out how to coach that way, it really started to change the game because instead of forcing this misaligned action, I'm moving people into alignment. And one of the most interesting thing people hear is they're like, are you an accountability coach? I'm like, no, I don't do accountability. Mm -hmm. Because if you need accountability, yeah. you're out of alignment, mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of the big shift that, that I've done. And so I, but I've naturally had the ability to pick up on that when I'm talking to people. My real gift as a coach is I can hold like the frequency of alignment right above wherever anybody is. So I'm, I'm really good at getting people past whatever is causing the misalignment. Hmm. And is that, is that similar to like what a therapist does in terms of like, let's go into your background and figure out where did that wound come from? You know, from your, you know, your dad said you were stupid yeah. when you were four. Let's fix that. Is that kind of similar or is that different than what you're doing? My perception of therapy or counseling versus coaching is that's a different process that kind of pulls the patient through the client through that, through their own verbal processing, right? What I do in coaching is I kind of help them move forward and only go backwards if something in the past is preventing forward movement. Okay. Like you're bringing awareness to patterns that we yeah. may not recognize, yeah. right? Like I'm going to do this, then this happens. Whereas, yeah, maybe you did that that one time. I mean, everyone loves the dog food story, right? Jason's famous dog yeah, food let's story. Yeah, do let's hear the dog food story. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Hear the dog food story again? <laughs> hear the dog food story. Okay, so I started coaching for Tony Robbins in 2000, end of 2013. This was six months after we moved and we were struggling financially. And as an entrepreneur, one of the hardest things is to have your wife come home crying because the debit card didn't work and somebody yeah. behind us bought us groceries, yeah. right? You know, we've been through that. So it was a challenge, right? I was talking to another coach named Gabriel Patrick, who's at Robbins. He's an amazing coach. He was a friend of mine. And he, we were talking and it just turned into a coaching conversation. And we were struggling financially and, and it was challenging. And he said, well, what do you want to do this week? He's like, I want to make, get a new client this week. He's like, okay, well then go, go find $2,000 this week. And I said, okay, done. And he goes, okay, now, so now go to the Tony Robbins coaching internal Facebook page where all the coaches and all the team are. And I'm a brand new coach on the team with 150 coaches. And he says, go to that group, record a video that says you're going to have $2,000 in your bank account on Friday, or you're going to eat a can of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I froze. And I'm like, cause I wanted that, but nothing was happening. I was like, the words wouldn't come out of my mouth. And he goes, okay, what's dash is three now. So let's imagine 10 years from now, your Dash is hanging out after school with his friends and his friends say, hey, Dash, why do you live with your grandma? And he said, and Dash says, we live with our grandma because my dad wasn't willing to eat dog food to create financial independence. Mm. And it was like this gut punch that just rattled me. 
because he's an amazing coach and he knew what would get leverage on me. So that situation caused leverage and it basically said, I'm going to do it. So I made the commitment, I posted the video on the team and then day Monday goes by, Tuesday goes by and my stomach's turning in knots just every day, every day, every day. And I managed, and I actually had two new clients and I closed two clients on Friday mm. and they said, can I pay you Monday? And I'm like, absolutely. I'm not, I wasn't going to try to screw up the deal by forcing payment today. So I went on Saturday morning, excited that I got the money, but at the same time, realizing that I failed the challenge. Yeah. So I went into my office, I closed the door. This video is still on YouTube today. It's still on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. It's still on YouTube. And I went in there and right before I recorded, I had a shift and I realized that I'm not eating this dog food as a punishment. I'm eating it because I'm doing something disgusting because I decided to, because I said so. And what I realized later is that the part of me that said it was okay to set a target and not follow through died that week. Mm. And, and it wasn't, I couldn't put any ketchup on it. I couldn't heat it up. It was generic liver flavor out of the can. And what I didn't realize is there's bones in dog food. Really? So you can't chew it all the way. I got about three quarters of the way through before it started to come up. So I stopped. (laughs) So, so I did that and that was probably Q1 2014 First week of July, 2014, we're on a Tony Robbins internal coaching t- call. Top performers for the first half of the year. The number one coach on the top metric on the team was renewals, was me. Mm. 100% of my clients renewed that first six months. And after then, all of a sudden, I'm coaching other coaches on the team. The funny thing is I've given that dog food exercise to probably three to four or five different coaches I was coaching. <laughs> and I think only one of them ever did it. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a, a concept of like, I don't know if we can call it personal integrity, maybe, which is, you know, integrity is like, hey, you do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. But then there's this internal integrity. Maybe that's a better word, internal integrity, which says, yeah, like I do to myself what I say I'm going to do, regardless of anybody else knowing or caring. And if you violate that over and over and over in your life, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and you don't, or I'm going to go make those cold calls and I don't, you start teaching yourself that you can't be trusted. And then over time, you can't trust yourself with anything. And so you don't have the courage to go and start that business or whatever. So I love the fact that you're like, this is not about, I promise that guy. This is about an internal integrity. I'm going to live with integrity with myself. Yeah. And, and one of the things I do pride myself on is I do everything in my power to do what I say I do. Everything. Yeah. Everything. And I, and I really struggle when I don't follow through. And if I do unable to follow through, I immediately tell that person or the other commitment immediately. But I, I think that's a major component of my success. Yeah, 100% agree. Because people, like once you have integrity with yourself too and people can see that, yeah. then they start trusting you with other things. Like I think they trust me with Open Door Capital and giving me money because they see that I have integrity within myself and that I have integrity. Then therefore it flows out to external integrity mm-hmm. uh, and they trust me. Same with you. You get coaching clients because like, oh, he says what he's going to do. Yeah. He does what he says he's going to do. So how do you view mindset versus actions? And what I mean by that is, you could have said that week, there's some personal development space, you know, kind of in like the secret world, like the book, The Secret, right? That just says, I'm going to have $2,000 in my bank account by this Friday. And then you do nothing. You just sit on the couch and wait for it. And you're like, I'm going to, I believe it. I'm visualizing it. It's going to come. And then it doesn't come, right? That's like pure mindset with no action. And then there's people who are like, screw mindset, just work hard every day and then you'll get it. Where do you find the balance in between mindset and action? How do you balance those things? Well, at the end of the day, there's always going to be the action. And, and far too often, and we know that, we know as human beings that the, the action gives us the prizes and goodies, right? Yeah. So it, we far too get fixated off that. But the first step in getting, go, get hitting any destination is, is a, aiming at the target. Mm. So it's a combination of getting into alignment versus just starting to take action. It's like, we don't just get our car and start driving and then figure out where we're going. 
and working with life, like we, there is a law of attraction, absolutely, right? And there is opportunities in front of us. But what I found most interesting and the biggest thing that's shifted in my coaching over the past few years that really separates me from Robbins and pretty much everyone else is that I don't help people create success. I don't do that. I can't make people something they're not. I simply remove the resistance to it occurring mm. because usually we've got resistance to the work or resistance to that. So we have all these expectations on how it should be, but life often gives us the opportunities different, disguised differently than we think. And sometimes we're unwilling to do the growth. Like, I don't know if you've heard the story me tell about us, where when we first started working together was that we did the Instagram live. It was like October, 2019. And like Jason Dree's coaching that year did a hundred thousand because it was just me next year. Jason JDC did a million. Mm. And what had, I don't know if you remember this, but you had actually mentioned doing an Instagram live with me probably three to four times over the previous 18 months. Mm. And the first time you mentioned it, I'm like, okay, great. Because when we first started coaching, I didn't even know who you were. Yeah. And then you mentioned that. I'm like, you know who I I am? Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized who you were. I'm like, oh, this could be good for business, right? So what was interesting is that you had said, let's do an Instagram live. And the next day I didn't hear any follow through. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think anything of it. And it it happened again, like three months later and nothing happened. And I'm like, oh, maybe Brandon just doesn't follow through. Yeah. That's 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 probably true. That's what I was thinking, right? (laughs) But what I realized later, and it happened again, I realized in around September, 2019, the reason that my partnership, you wasn't working was because I wasn't in a high enough financial mindset to work with you. Mm. And I read this book by a guy named Dane here who does a study of access consciousness. It's called Being You, Changing the World. And he has some belief change tools. And I read his book, his other book, Money Isn't the Problem, You Are. And I did his money exercises every day for three weeks straight on elevating my financial mindset. Then you and I have a coaching call. You said, hey, we should do an Instagram Live. I'm like, great. I wasn't expecting anything. The next day, I forget which one of your assistants calls. And then literally three weeks later, we did that. And then all of a sudden, I started to get more visibility and JDC clients grow and grow. That actually happened a second time. And then remember, I kept asking you about doing Mindset Academy a year later. And I realized that I wasn't aligned with you because at that time, I wasn't willing to be seen. So I had to work on my visibility and I did specific coaching that leveled myself up. And then as soon as I aligned with you, that took off. That's cool. That's cool. Have you heard that? Did you ever hear that story? I think I heard bits and pieces of it, but never all in one spot like that. That's that's interesting, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I don't know if it's, uh, I was going to say, I don't know if it's that you weren't at the financial, I mean, maybe it was, you weren't at the because I was like doing a lot of big financial things with million dollar companies and starting all this stuff. And so, yeah, maybe it was your, your mindset was at a different spot. I don't know. That's uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, it was like, life, but the reason I gave that example is because yeah. life was presenting me an opportunity. Yeah. And what required was a different elevated version of me to take advantage of it. Yeah. And where most people I've found get shut down is that when life gives them the opportunity to shift, grow, expand into their next version, that's where they shut down and that's where they stop. So they stay in the same place. Yeah. It's funny to give a little background to me and Alex here can testify to this. We joke about it being a rain, put on your rain jacket. I think is a phrase that Alex invented is like Brandon's ideas are about to flow. Just put on your rain jacket. No, you know, don't get wet. It's like, uh, <laughs> so like, so I'm always telling Alex, right? I'm like, Hey Alex, we should do this thing. Or we should do it you know, for you. We should do an Instagram live. Yeah. And so I probably do that a thousand times a day. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that maybe that's an, Wash off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and every once in a while, if, like Alex, you say, if I come back to you again and again and say it, then mm-hmm. maybe it's something I actually care about. 
So interesting, like that I Instagram, it's like, yeah, this is a good idea. Like I'm a visionary. That's what I do. I come up with ideas and they're generally usually pretty good ideas because I'm a visionary and that's what I do. So most of them though, I'll never do. And so there's also a component of maybe it was luck. Maybe it was something you said in that call that triggered me to go, oh no, let's actually do this versus this is just a raincoat idea, right? Put on your raincoat. I don't know if it matters. Like somehow you elevated the way you thought and you took advantage of a situation. And I don't mean that in a bad way, in a good way. You said, hey, this is an opportunity. I'm going to actually respond to it. And then we did that. And then later we did the Bigger Pockets podcast. And then we did series of Instagram things. And yeah, it, it all, because it was working, you were providing re- like tangible, good value to everybody. People responded to you then. So I, it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Really yeah. Cool. And it's and that's why mindset. And I've got another mindset story. You want to tell a mindset sure. story? My, this is actually in my book. So let's say, for example, you have a person who likes to run, you know, they're just, they like to run races and they do it, you know, they like to run mile and they're an average runner and they typically place in like sixth or 10th place and they run and they enjoy running and they're just happy doing that. And one day they go to a race and they're in the locker room and they're talking to their friend there and their the sole falls off their shoe. Mm. Like, oh my God. And then and their friend goes, hey, you can wear my shoes. Okay. Okay. Puts on the shoes and just notices that his shoes were blue and his friend's shoes were red, puts on his friend's red shoes, goes out there, wins first place. Friend is so happy that he wins first place. You can keep those shoes. Mm. Starts wearing those shoes every race. And for like the next three months, wins every single race, goes to a final, is competing in a regional, and they're going there. And all of a sudden, gets to the airport, his bag gets lost. Then he goes to town to go buy some new shoes. And that town only sells blue shoes. So buys blue shoes, goes to the race. How do you think that person's going to feel going to... The starting line in the blue shoes. Yeah, rough. Right? But when it really has nothing to do with this, it's just a color of a shoe. Yeah. That's what mindset is. And when we, we don't realize that we're wearing blue shoes yeah. in a lot of different areas, because mm-hmm. you can't see outside your mindset. Yeah. Because it's everything. The only person who can see outside it is someone else. You know, there's a great... Have you seen the movie... Uh, right, have you seen yes. Onward? Love remember that. that scene in... Yeah, remember that scene in Onward where there's that chasm and they have to... He has to go over the, the chasm. Belief. Yep, you gotta... You, in order for the the invisible bridge to work from one side to the other, yeah. you have to believe the bridge is there. Yeah. And so he goes out, but he's like, ah, I'm not quite willing to believe. So he ties a rope to his waist and his brother sits there and holds the other end of the rope and he walks out on the bridge and he's like, oh, I'm walking on this invisible bridge. And he walks across, he gets almost you know, halfway there and then the rope unwinds and falls. Yeah. So, but his eyes are closed. He's not noticing and he's just walking. He's like, oh, this is easy. Great. Because he has that background. And then at the very end, he looks down and sees the rope is no longer attached. And that's when he falls. falls mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, he dies in the end of the movie. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, you know, falls, catches himself and they move on. But I yeah. love that picture of mindset of like, a sam- similar to the shoes, yeah. right? Like he thought he was safe because of the rope. But in reality, it was his mindset that was getting in there. Yeah. And what we don't realize is that we're usually trying to outgrow our old mindset and our, and your mindset is created based on your life experience. And your mindset is basically beliefs about your past successes and failures. Mm. But what we don't realize and what I figured out how to do is how to dial into future mindsets to solve current problems. And that's kind of where the whole concept of frame shifting came from. And that's when, when I started coaching that way over the past few years, the clients I work with just started to explode. Can you give a quick 30 second on what does that mean to your future, you know, that future version of you? Well, there's, well, um, I'll, I'll tell you an example of how, how I discovered it. That'll probably be the easiest example. So when the Bigger Pockets podcast, we did that in August, because prior to that, it was just me. Yep. Jason Dries coaching was Jason Dries. I was coaching 65 clients by myself, Whew. which is not hard to do. I can do it. It was good. And then we was on the podcast 
And then all of a sudden, the next month, we had 192 people book in an intro session. 192, right? And I was typically doing like five a month. So I basically went from just me. I got four of my friends who were coaches and could sell and literally set that up. And then literally two months later, we launched Mindset Academy, which was me doing four hours a week for six weeks. And it was to the point where every day I was in complete and total overwhelm, but the business was accelerating so much. I was like, this is amazing. Don't screw it up. Every day I'm like, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. And I was sitting here going, oh my God, I'm in complete and total overwhelm. And I had this understanding that was like November. But if I go back to like August, August, I had everything dialed in. And then I had this other thought. Well, if you took Jason from 10 years ago and pulled him to August, he would have been completely overwhelmed. Mm. And that made me realize that there's a version of me in the future who could come to the present moment, who could look at this and go, I got it. And that's actually when I did my first frame shift, when I just focused on that version of me and all of a sudden the stress went away yeah. and I felt focus a new direction because we literally are operating in a multiverse of frequencies and we have the ability to shift. And the simplest way to describe that is, you know, you're driving in the car, you remember, hear a song from 20 years ago, you did something bad, you remember that and you feel bad and you do a negative shift, yeah. right? So we can do forward shifts. We just don't know how to do it. So the more we are open to dialing into future versions, future frequencies, the faster we can elevate ourselves. That's cool. Yeah, there, there's a thing that we do inside the Better Life Tribe that I call, um, and I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but it's called identity-based goal setting. Mm -hmm. And the idea is you start with your goal. You don't start with, I want this, or I'm gonna, my actions, I'm going to do this, which is fine. And I think I probably even picked this up largely from working with you, where it's not just your actions, which are important, and the habits are important, and the goals are important, but we start with identity of like, who are you mm -hmm. in the future? Benjamin Hardy, Dr. Benjamin Hardy has a book called Be Your Future Self, which is a similar concept as this idea of like, who are you going to be? But like, let's get into that mindset now. So we start with like, I am a loving, present uh, father to my kids. That's training them. That's raising them. And I have like this thing that I say to myself often, like, this is me as a father. Because now I'm operating from that frame, that mindset. I'm not sure the difference of how you define the difference, but I'm operating from yeah. that standpoint of yeah. I am already that person. And now I can make goals and actions and habits from that perspective and yeah. not from the, I am struggling as a father and I am overwhelmed and I am you know barely around. Well, yeah, like the struggle, that's reaction, right? Mm -hmm. That's in reaction. So it's basically the same concept, but the biggest challenge we have right now is getting out of reaction and processing our reaction so we can shift. Yeah. So it's less about reaction, action, and it's more about reaction, realign than action. Mm. Mm -hmm. I like that. Alexis, yeah. what do you think of all this? Like, well, how I'm do you just, incorporate this stuff in your life? What do you, what's well, your it's, it's funny to hear the stories because there's the, there's like the VH1 behind the music, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, I remember him running out of his office going, there's a future version of myself, you know? <laughs> and I'm thinking, thumbs up, bitch, awesome. So, or the time that you did eat dog food that he apparently put it on, I think on Facebook. So my aunt is texting my mom and my mom is texting <laughs> me like, oh my gosh, is Jason going crazy? Did he just eat dog food on camera? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, so there's all, there's all the behind the scenes yeah. action, but at the same time, I also get to see the proof and the results, yep. right? So like aligned action happens with flow because your mindset may be catching up, right? Mm. So your mindset is catching up to what the next aligned action is. And that is what we talk about a lot is like the faith and the trust piece. You know, I mean, I remember Jason saying, Brandon's going to put me, you know, we're going to do an Instagram live together. We're going to do this thing together. You know what I need to do? I need to write a book. Mm. That's how I'm going to get on there. And there were all these steps that he took and 
watching the raincoat ideas, then his mindset catching up with them. And this is true for everyone. It's just, you know, I get this living metaphor where he's talking about what he's going to do next. And then I'm watching it happen in real time. And being on the other side where you're full of doubt, like, how are you going to make this happen? And he's laying out the numbers for me, like, I'm going to get this many coaching clients and it's going to turn out just like this. That's a practice in itself. Yeah. Yeah. That is where I have seen the most growth in myself and learned a lot about how to be a wife and a partner to someone who's constantly evolving and going through personal growth. Yeah. We're not always aligned in every moment, what we're going through at our own times, right? Like I'm birthing babies and raising kids and trying to figure out the next steps in my career. And he's supporting me. And I mean, we moved our whole family from California to Texas for a job for me. Mm. You know, that was a huge move. And so he's supporting me in my growth as well and watching from the sidelines going, this is going to be really great for you. And then he's switching and going, this isn't going to align for you. Mm. I'm so sorry, but I can just see that like you're growing beyond this. And so in that way, there's a lot more coaching, I guess, happening, but it's a gift. It's a gift to be in a home where mindset is key and faith and trust and waiting for that aligned action flow. But then being in a partnership where one person is aligning on a huge step and action and you're thinking, or I am thinking, I got to get my mindset caught up in this, We're caught up to this. How do I need to grow? What is it in me that isn't either trusting or feeling the love and the connection? Or And so in that way, I think even though we're very opposite, our relationship really works. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have any advice, Alexis, for people who, well, let me give a background story real quick. My wife, I had a friend over and he is a you know online influencer growing a huge brand, very ambitious and, and successful and growing all this stuff. And his wife was there and my wife and his wife were talking together and they made this joke about they should start a club called like the League of Wives of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And the idea was like, how do we support, like how do we handle like husbands or it could be the opposite, wives, but a spouse, partner, that's just like really ambitious and excited and growing and all this. And they don't have quite the same drive and balance. And they were just talking about all the struggles they have in there. And have you, you, I kind of thought you encountered some of that too. We have. You just mismatch at times. We mismatch at times. And I'm not, we were just having this conversation in the car this morning. You know, Jason gets up in the morning and he's like, I have all these things and they have to get done no matter what. And I'm more of, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, well, that's not happening today. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe these five other things are happening. And so there's that piece of being really supportive and knowing that that's who they are. That is who they were born to be. I have found a lot of support and connection and community with wives of other very successful entrepreneurs. You know, maybe their husbands travel all the time. And so it's a very unconventional time in when you're raising kids. Oh, he works or he travels or and there's a lot of judgment. And so it's really nice to find other wives or friends who are going through the same things because it's different than your conventional, typical American lifestyle. And so that would be my advice is absolutely seek out other women. And maybe they're not even in the exact same boat that you are, but maybe their husbands travel a lot. Mm -hmm. And there is so much to learn 
about yourself by the contrast that happens in your relationship. Mm. By looking at someone that you admire, but don't always understand. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. What does uh, life look like at home right now for you, Alexis? Like uh, <laughs> kids, you got, you got four kids that are like yep. boys. We have four boys. Wild. I think every single week I talk to, every time I talk to Jason, he tells me about an ER visit that happens. Sadly, we have had a <laughs> lot of those. Yeah. But yes, we definitely and, have had a lot of those. And you're homeschooling now, at least some of them, correct? Yep. Yeah, tell me about that. How's that? Why did you decide to do that? How's that going? Any advice for those considering homeschooling? Yes. So it's been an incredible journey. It's probably been its own master's program um, <laughs> of its of itself because what I have found over the years is what we really valued was creativity, freedom, and expression in our kids, right? So they had lots of freedom, creativity, which means sometimes they jumped off the bed, tried to do a flip, broke their arm. Yep. Those are just a few of the ER visits. But at the same time, they've been able to cultivate who they are as individuals, you know, painting or doing art or not getting involved in the things that we maybe thought they would. I grew up an athlete. I figured I had four boys. Somebody was going to be. Nope. Nobody's interested in team sports at all. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think so, that is? Is that because of you two, do you think? Does that extend downward to kids? You know, I am not entirely sure why, but there's a lot of structure and coaching that goes into just into like, say, being on a baseball team when mm. you're four or five years old. You know, my kids like to run out in the front yard and just play soccer with the rules that they made up that yep. works for them. And nobody has to tell them exactly how to kick the ball yet because they don't really care, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I think naturally kids learn through play and we just don't have as much of that. And then by the time they're ready for that at like eight or nine, it's highly competitive. Yep. And so to each its own, no judgment either way. Our kids just preferred yeah. to play a pickup game in the front yard. I just got yeah. finished reading a book called Simplicity Parenting from mm -hmm. Kim John Payne, I think is his name. Okay. But he makes, it's one of the best parenting books I've ever, probably the best parenting book I've ever read. But one of his whole chapters on sports for kids. And I love his thought on this. He basically says young kids under the age of 10, when you put them into organized sports, especially the com really competitive ones, but in general, you have very defined rules of that sport. So if you are a catcher, you sit there, you catch the ball, you do that one thing, you do it over and over and over every single week. And so when you give kids a framework of life that doesn't allow them to make their own rules, they actually grow to not understand the creativity of play of just the world's at your fingertips. And then he, he shifts as in the teen years, the team sports become more, more important because that's how a lot of life operates is on teams. Mm -hmm. uh, but he really advises like kids under, I think he says like 10 or 12, yeah. don't do sports if you can at all avoid it. Uh, because yeah, isn't that interesting? Because yeah, like, yeah you operate, yeah. you learn to operate mechanically instead of creatively in life. And there's yeah. a lot of social development in there as well when you're working together with the other teammates, yeah. right? And coming up with rules on your own. So I am not a huge supporter of big yeah. organized sports leagues when they're really young. But yeah. again, to each their own. That was my jam when yeah. I was a kid. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just like motorsports for. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and, that's, and, and there's something to be said about motor, motorsports, actually, in terms of you can get kid interest in that. Because now there's a, yeah. again, a freedom to it, a freedom yeah. to riding, a freedom to fixing the problems that you're encountering, that they're never the same. Yeah. There's just a lot more... Yeah, excitement. He used the example in there about like, if you just send your kid outside of like, 
you stay outside for four hours. All of a sudden, the kids start going, they start making up rules of a game. Like, okay, so you do this, and then I'm going to do this, and we're going to play this thing. And that is so good for a kid's yeah, development. It is. And I mean, that's that's the basis of neurological development yeah. is mostly through play. And so we've gifted our kids that. And and in the process of that, I would say finding the right school for them, air quotes, yeah. is more challenging. We've also come to the realization that some of our kids are neurodivergent learners, meaning their brain just works in other ways. And so walking down those paths and realizing, oh, well, no wonder this is challenging for you. Like your brain doesn't work that way. And that's great. And that's fine. So now we need to figure out how to get you exactly what you need. And that's why homeschooling has worked for us in the moment right now, while we seek out what might be the better fit. Yeah. You know, COVID was like probably the best thing to happen to education. Mm. It was a complete pattern interrupt. It brought all these kids home and made us see things that we maybe hadn't seen before. There's, in my opinion, and I've been in education a long time, like there's a revolution happening right now. And I believe that our kids We'll look back on what is happening now and be like, wow, you guys, it took you a long time to yeah. figure this out. <laughs> That's, yeah. So where do you see, where do you see education going? I mean, there's these new schools popping up. There's different, before it was all, you had public school and then you had the weird homeschoolers, right? Like that was Absolutely. the only two options that existed. And then there was the <laughs> private school and for the rich kids to go to. Mm-hmm. What other options exist today and where do you see us headed? I see just multi-options, right? So we'll still have public school because that's necessary and there are families that need that. They also are great at providing resources that some kids can't get other places. But I see a lot more advocacy from parents, right? Parents looking, paying more attention, more of a focus on mental wellness. And that is huge. Less of a focus on academics really early because the end goal has changed. College is great for some, but we've seen so many obviously, successful entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. that there's much more of a shift in creativity, real world experience, ownership and responsibility at a younger age that some don't get. But what I have seen and what I truly hope continues to trend is looking at the individual student and being able to teach to that or guide that in a way that's most successful for them. Mm. What is Parent Academy? Parent Academy is an online platform and it will be support, mentorship, and resource sharing for parents. And I mean any parent. You don't have to have a special needs kid or multiple children. It's really there for mentorship and support and an active place for resources, whether you need to get a neurological assessment or you're just looking for a homeschool group. You know, I think right now, like I was saying with the advocacy piece, more than ever, we need to speak up for our kids, but that can be really lonely. Mm. You know, it's really easy to look outside your home and think everyone else has it figured out. They're doing this so well and their kids are so well behaved and they both work or she gets to stay home and he works. And so there's a trend in kind of loneliness and isolation But what I have found over and over again and what has kind of been my path over the last few years is people reaching out and saying, so what do I do about this? Or what do you think about this? Or I'm thinking about homeschooling. What about this? And I think pinging people out and people together, parents, dads, and moms, is just really empowering. I love that. Yeah. Let's talk about entrepreneurship parenting. When you're an entrepreneur, because Jason, you're an entrepreneur. What are some of the, I guess, challenges that you've encountered as a 
full-fledged entrepreneur trying to also be a good dad. <laughs> time Big, management? Time, time management is <laughs> hard. Yeah. You know, Alexis is just like a super mom. <laughs> she's just a super mom. And she, everybody goes to her because she's so good at her understanding of that. And it's almost like what I do with adults, she does with kids. Mm. So we have that perspective. But the challenging thing for me is, is time because I have a pattern of just getting obsessed with my target and working on it and trying to work my way through that. So the big challenge for me was spending more time with the kids and being present. That's kind of the biggest challenge. Mm. And what about you, Alexis? A challenge is being in, I mean, because you're still an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got this new thing coming, the uh, Parent Academy. But mm-hmm. what, uh, what challenges do you see as a mom entrepreneur? As a mom, it's really like riding the waves, right? So you're riding the lows and being like, we got this, we're going to get through it. And then you're riding the highs of, oh, wow, you are now very successful and you are working 50, 60 hours a week. And yes, you're going to go speak in Florida and then in New York and then come back home. So I think that's part of it is there isn't an end goal. You're not going to get to this place. That was a huge realization that we had together recently was... There is no finish line. We're not going to get to this place where we say, oh, wow, look at us. We hit this mark. Now we're just going to sit back. Like that's, first of all, that's not the entrepreneurial mindset. That's not why you got started in it. It's because you're creative and goal-driven and excited about what's next. So there's always going to be a what's next. I'm very stable. I like routine. Jason likes- She's a 99S like you. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're both similar. You and, you and I. I'm a yeah. 10S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's it of like knowing that you're the one that's sort of providing the stability for the framework of the family and riding out the highs and lows and being present for those. Yeah. Yeah. That's been huge. All right, Jason, you mentioned a high S. Let's talk disc for a minute. Disc profiles. Yeah, let's talk disc profiles. What is that? Why is that valuable? So disc profile is a personality assessment that we use in coaching to help understand. And disc is really, there's usually, there's two components. There's disc and values. Disc is how you do what you do and values is why you do what you do. And the four basic styles is like dominance, connection, stability, and rules right there. And it, it shapes the personality. Now, me, I'm dominance, conne- dominance connection, dominance connection, stability. So do- high dominance, high connection. That's why I talk and talk and talk because everybody, <laughs> everybody who talks and talks are high connection. Alexis is high connection, high stability. High S's don't like change. Like, like you're a high S, yep. right? The reason you've had the same coach for seven years is because yep. you're a high S, yep. right? Like <laughs> a, the, the high S is the employee that has like, they're at, they've been at the same job for 18 years and every day for breakfast, they've got a bagel and a black coffee. Yeah. Right? That's the high S, right? Yep. Where I'm the low S, so she sees me as constant chaos, but Mm. I see it as constant improvement because I'm not attached to anything, right? Mm. And then high C is rules process. So when you start to understand disc profile, you start to understand how people's brains work because I can try to convince her to be otherwise, but that's just how her brain works, right? And we actually use disc profile in our kids too, so we communicate differently with them because some of them... Some of our kids are lower S's and some of them are higher S's. So when you understand DISC, you can communicate better with other people. Oh, that's a good idea. I never thought about looking at DISC for kids, but that's smart. Because yeah, it is largely communication. It's We actually talked DISC a little bit on a previous episode with Cameron and Lexi. And Cameron was talking about one of the reasons he's so good at buying houses from people when he's like sitting in their living room talking to somebody is he figures out very rapidly what DISC are they. 
Mm-hmm. And then he'll uh, talk to them in that language. And so if they're a high D, he says like, okay, I'm going to let them win the negotiation because they got to mm-hmm. win it. Yeah. So I'm going to find a way to make sure I'm like, oh, you're beating me up, man. And then on the I, he's just like, we're going to talk about kids, grandma. Yep. We're going to have a real good relationship. Talk, and then talk, like, talk, talk, yeah. Talk, talk, and then talk, like, talk. yeah. So he's got these like yeah. patterns that he, the way he talks and it's, fascinating like when i look at my wife yeah like where she's at where my employees are at in fact i recently i got on a new assistant mm-hmm. and i my old assistant we moved to a new role but i had her run a disc profile i never did one on her i should have and she came out of like a 90 something d and like a really high it was a high d high i and i'm like she's an assistant like the like she's not like i want an assistant with like a high s and a high c high S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-S-
It could be small things, could be belief changes, could be things you bought, people you met, an event you went to, just anything that you have done in the last 12 months that's just given you a little bit better life. You want me to go first? Sure. Um, we'll do one, 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 okay. one, 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 I have started 5.30 a.m. regular workouts okay. and worked with a fitness coach who's helped me with diet and exercise. What do you do for workout? I do it like a CrossFit type okay. workout. So, you know, it's like 35, 40 minutes in there. I like lifting. Yeah. So that's in there. I wish more women lifted. I think it's so good for women to lift. <laughs> it feels so good. Yeah. If you're worried about bulking, and you're not. It's yeah. not going to, it doesn't work that way. It just, it's really good for you on the long term too yeah. and for hormones and for mental health. Like, I can't yeah. say enough good things about it. Just research it. Find yeah. some YouTube videos. Alex, I think Heather is agreed to come to the gym with us when we uh, oh, when we get back yay. to Maui. So yeah, she's yeah. like, yeah. She, she's like, actually got excited when I said like, why don't you come with me and Alex to the gym? And she's like, really? That'd be fun. I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah, she's excited yeah. to work out with Alex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. All right. Yeah. Yep. 5.30 workouts. I got back into off-roading like big time. Mm. I did a four-day trip through Baja, California on my side-by-side. Oh, that's, what's a side-by-side? It's like a, it's like a dune buggy, right? Like it's okay. a, a four-seater. Yeah. That's awesome. So it, it brought a lot of excitement and passion back. It was one of my greatest passions. And unfortunately there's not a plot of places in Texas to do that actually, yeah. oh. believe it or not. Yeah. Next month I'm taking my two oldest boys on a full peninsula trip with really? a group. We're going to go from San Diego all the way to Cabo that's off-road. Awesome. That's awesome, man. So I love excited. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Alexis, number two. Uh, number two, I read a book called Highly Sensitive People. Okay. And they also have one that's Highly Sensitive Parent. Really helped me understand our household All a right. little better. I like it. Or a lot better. Hired a lot of coaches. Okay. I've got four yeah. coaches. One of my coaches, I think, you know, Brooke Weinstein. Like yep. She's like, help me understand nervous system regulation. Yeah. Like learning about nervous system regulation really start to help me understand why I can't slow down. Yeah. Yeah, we just interviewed her yesterday. I don't know if the episode's out by the time this episode airs, but we just interviewed yesterday and it was Amazing. it was so good. Yeah. yeah. Just the idea of yeah, like the, the gas pedal and the brake mm-hmm. of like different people at different times have different personalities and you need to sometimes gas and sometimes brake. And that's been a good mm-hmm. a good thought. Like I've been thinking nonstop about it since I talked to her. Yeah. So all right, I like it. Good stuff. Yeah. Hiring coaches for yourself. That's good. Yep. Joining a women's mentorship group. Oh really? Yeah. What's that done for you? It's for entrepreneurial moms. So that was huge yeah. um, just to find that support. And also, you know, we've only lived here in Austin for two years. And when you're an adult and you're you know, trying to make new friends, it's not easy. Yeah. So it, that's been great for me thinking about having another business, but also balancing the mom role. So, yeah, I love yeah. it. All right, Jason. We cut out screens as a family last week. Mm. Mm. We'd been in a real bad habit of letting our kids occupy themselves yep. with screens and get into Fortnite. Yep. And it just, so last week we realized, um, what was that Instagram page? Called? It's called screenstrong.org. Screenstrong. So mm-hmm. Highly we, recommend it mm-hmm. for any family. Yeah. We read this point of view on Fortnite and just how bad it is for kids. Yeah. So we went through literally five days of detox, but literally the second day, our kids are playing again. They're happy. They're yeah. So it's, we're shifting the entire family. What's household. fascinating is we all know this, right? We all know that kids yeah. shouldn't be on it. Yeah. We all do it. I just was telling Brooke this yesterday and yeah. I told the story on the podcast is, we took Wilder off screen time. Well, both of the kids off, I don't know, maybe a month ago, month and a mm-hmm. half ago. Yeah. Because he was having a meltdown every single solitary day. Every day for a year straight, he'd have a full, I mean, panic, like yeah. hour-long meltdown that you could not console him. And then day one of no screen time, he had no meltdown. And day two, had no meltdown. First time in a year. Yep. Day three, no meltdown. Day four, no meltdown. It was, a, I was a, it was a couple of weeks before he had a meltdown and it wasn't even a bad one. And now yeah. he maybe has one a week at most, maybe once every other week. 
I've never seen anything work that fast. It yeah. was like injecting my, like our family with a drug that mm-hmm. all of a sudden just healed such a huge piece and watching yeah. the kids play. And yeah, so we, similar. Well, thanks uh, for calling attention to the fact that like, we all know it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like I have a master's in child <laughs> development <laughs> and I still went down that path because yep. it's just easy, it's but it, so it easy just changes the way their brain yeah. develops. It's yeah. So true. how did the it kid, does. I mean, you've got older kids in my mind. I was like, nope, you're not doing it. You know? And then like, they're like, okay, dad but you got older kids. How did you navigate it? It's really been hard. And honestly, Jason and I have been honest with them about our frustration and struggles too. Yep. Like yep. we understand this is a huge change because what happens is they make friends on there and they yeah. play fr- with friends on there. So now all of a sudden that social outlet is gone. Mm. So we've had to create more opportunities for them to get together with their friends in real life, in real time. Mm. And be so, more present ourselves. Yeah, too. be more present ourselves, but also have those hard conversations. Like we are we are different, yeah. you know? There's yeah. a lot of families that are doing it and we're not. There's a great book called The Power of a Positive No. Okay. And it talks about that. Like a positive no is really hard to hold, but incredibly valuable. Mm. So yeah, when, we, when we took away our 12-year-old's um, computer yeah because he was playing a lot of minecraft and watching youtube and stuff like that and talking to friends the next day he was happier yeah because it's addiction yep it's addiction and when we remove that so and there's a couple times we hit the remote and we change wi-fi passwords but you know my initial thing was getting mad at them like wait a second i can't stop myself yeah yeah yeah. so we just remove all of the options for them to do it and i think there's something uh, it's so profound what you just said there in, in that I think we oftentimes fail to discipline our kids on the screen time because we as adults can't discipline ourselves, Yeah, yeah. right? We're struggling with it. And so I feel like a hypocrite to tell Rosie not that she can't watch her YouTube kids when I'm on TikTok scrolling for an hour. And so I'm trying to work on that myself. And what mm-hmm. I found is helpful is I'm, I'm asking, I mean, she's only six and I'm asking her for help. And I'm saying, yeah. hey, I'm struggling with this as well, honey. Like, yeah. can you help? If you see me on my phone ever and i'm not like doing like getting maps or something like that doing something that r- responsible mm-hmm. will you call me out and i've even offered her like if you catch me like on once a day on saturday i said if you catch me on my phone at all on saturday you get and i think i gave her like a prize one of those little kinder prize eggs i was like you yeah. get one of those if you catch me on my phone so now she's really watching yeah and she's really excited about it so we're kind of making a group exactly. like yeah it's a it's family that whole challenge idea of like connection over correction yeah mm-hmm. right of like staying connected as a family and like, yeah, we're going to move through this and it's going to be really rough at times because let's be honest, it's really like kind of nice when your kids are quiet for a while and playing something. But the truth is like once you move through that, there's a whole other level of connection and and being human together. Yeah, what what I found is there's there's really two ways that I found that I can get my kids to just disappear for a few hours quietly. One (laughs) of them is is screen time, right? I can give them Mm an iPad and they'll disappear. Mm. The other is having a friend over. So I started telling all like my friends with little kids, I'm like, just bring your kid over, drop them over anytime, just anytime. Like you just go as long as like you go. And then both my kids, Wilder and Rosie, even though way different ages, I mean, three and six, but they'll both go with that Mm -hmm. friend and they're just gone for two hours. And I love it. Like they're in their room, dress up and make up. And that is so much better than the screen time. Like one is producing just great creativity. And I I wish I would have realized that earlier. Like, I don't know. I I knew it earlier, right? We know this stuff. We do. Yeah. It just needs. And and for me, you know, what was the trigger was I, to do it is some Instagram or TikTok video I saw where this his dad was just telling the story. Like, Hey, I took this away and my kids stopped melting down. I'm like, Oh, it can't be that easy, but I'll try it. Maybe it'll help a little bit. And it just helps. So I might say this story every podcast for the next 10 years. I, exactly. I, I can't not talk about it. And you know, I can't talk about it enough. So exactly. I think calling more attention to it and like 
that's why I want to create Parent Academy. It's yeah. like people getting together, having these conversations that are exactly about that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is hard. Here's why we did it. Spreading awareness around it. What are some things that you guys have done in your marriage to improve your marriage uh, in a busy life with kids and entrepreneurship? What are some what are some ways that you've uh, grown closer together? Date nights. Date nights. Like standing date nights. Do you have like the same we day every week? Coaches. We coaches. Just... <laughs> actually, yeah. we both worked with the same coaches. Yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. that helped a lot. It's really communication. Like our relationship gets bad when we don't spend time together. Mm, it's pretty yeah. simple. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple, but it's yeah. just like um, screen time, right? We know the answers. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think for me, what's yeah. happened a lot lately is just my personality style. I can't talk about, stop talking about myself and my feelings. Mm. And with she's high S like you, that you don't really talk about feelings very much, right? You kind of just, <laughs> so it just naturally always gravitated to me, always talking about me. Right. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest lessons was understanding that she's on her journey and I'm on my journey. Mm-hmm. And as much as we like to think we're together on that, we're not, everybody's on their own solo journey. We just happen to be going together on our solo journeys. Yeah. So, and and as a coach, it's been challenging because I can see all of the, her pro- I'm like, oh, well, I could do her belief change. I could get, and, but she doesn't like to process that way. I like to go faster. She likes to take the scenic route and experience the process. So really being the support for her experience mm-hmm. really allows us, allowed me to feel, allowed us to feel closer together. But really it's, it's, it's hard with four boys because oh, it's, it's yeah. a lot, but it's, it's really time together. Yeah. But the second we get time together, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, right. yeah. I'm so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you. I do like you. We just, yes. hit, we, we yeah. just celebrated 13 years no, of marriage yeah. this month. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, small celebrations yeah. and sitting here and, and being really grateful. We'll get a vaca- we actually had a we had, we had a, whole, a few vacations we've, planned. We had a whole, <laughs> we had a Hawaii vacation. We had a Maui vacation lined up with parent, child care and everything mm. for eight days for April 10th, 2020. Oh no, yeah, yeah right. So yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. So Come we'll back. get that one day. Yeah, you'll get that back. Yeah. My wife and I are going our longest trip ever. We're gonna go four days without the kids. Three nights, four days to the island of Lanai, which is you know off of off Maui. There's a Four Seasons called Four Seasons Sensei, Sensei, something like mm-hmm. that. It's like legit. So yeah, we're going there uh, in a week and a half. So yeah, nice. yeah, it'll be a like much needed trip away from the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, but because my kids are in that phase right now where they don't want us to leave ever. Like sure. they grab our legs when we're leaving the house, and it's uh, it's interesting. But you, Jason, you just mentioned a phrase that I really like. I actually yeah. wrote down. I'm weird in that I think in book titles all the time. I always like think, oh, that's a book title, right? Yeah. So you just wrote, you said, we go somewhere together solo. And I, I love that phrase, like the together solo journey. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of like, because my wife and I, we've talked about this, Jason, a little yeah. bit. My wife and I had that similar conversation where I had to realize we are, there's like four possibilities that I saw in our marriage. This happened back in December. We were having some really hard conversations about like, where are we headed? And Heather wants to live on a mountain alone with, well, you know, with me and the kids and never leave and grow our own food and never see another person ever. And I want to like hang out with 50 people in a room all the time and do <laughs> podcasting. And, and I was like, oh no, this is a problem. So we cannot, if we, if we go, and I, I know people listening, they can't see my hands, but if we keep moving outward away yeah. from each other, that is a real problem. The alternative I was thinking at the time when, and, and it was a really hard, this is what made the hard conversation is I was like, the alternative is then either I abandon my this way and go to her way, and that's I'm not happy, or she abandons hers and she goes that way. And I was like, I don't lo- none of those two options sound like none of that sounds good. I don't want to separate uh, to go separate directions, and I don't want to go her path totally. And she doesn't want to go mine. And so then I had that kind of idea, and I like the phrase you just use, yeah, together yeah. solo. It's like we are on independent journeys mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and that we're we're in the middle. We're moving this way. 
I think there's an answer in there and that we're on that journey right now trying to figure out what does that look like? How can we do separate journeys together? And it, it requires a lot of compromise. But any advice on that? Because you guys. Isn't it Coeur d'Alene? Is that? Uh, it kind of is, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, Coeur d'Alene is kind of that. It's our little mountain house. We go there alone together and we. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Heather may not, deli- may not need to live on a mountain every day and you yes. may need to connect all the time. Yeah. But everybody has to have their, their who they are. Yeah. But there's the intersection of that. And a lot of guys are like, you're going on a Baja trip for two weeks. She said, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, she said, yeah. yeah. Right. And because we have a relationship where if we want to do something, we do that. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, you know, cause but we've also done a lot of work. Like we had our bad crappy relationships before this one. Right. Yeah. So we had a lot yeah. of crappy relationships <laughs> to get to this point. Yep. So we just have a lot of respect for each other and what we want because we're trying to not, or maybe we tried to make the other person something they weren't, we gave up. I don't know. One of the two, but basically we're at the point now where, you know, I respect her for what she wants to do. And mm-hmm. because I couldn't do this, what I, I couldn't do the stuff that I'm passionate about if she wasn't there. Yeah. You know, huh. it's beautiful. I mean, relationships can look like whatever you want them to look like. Right. So this yeah. is what ours looks like where he goes on two week trips and people always say to me, Oh, how could you let him do that? Well, in my head, it's not letting you do anything. It's like, that's who you are. And, you know, I took off and went to Hawaii for my birthday and I didn't ask permission. I was like, this is what I'm doing. And that's what it looks like for us. So I think some of those like traditional or maybe conventional ways that you think of, you owe me this, or my expectation is of this, of you, like question those, break those apart. Think about like why and what you want it to look like. You know, maybe Heather goes away for a week to the mountains and you get to have these parties and do what you do. And your life is probably more made up like that than you think it is already. Yeah. You know, so yeah, and it's all there to teach you something. One thing I also realized is the, the, I want to live on a mountain forever, never see anybody was the over, I should admit this, it was an overreaction to Mm -hmm. my like, cause we had spent a month with like a ton of people and it was very much, it was me for a long time. She's like, I just don't want to see anybody ever again. Yeah. And uh, it's important. We realized, and we talked through this is to not make decisions mm-hmm. in moments of those like one-sidedness. Cause it was very yeah. one-sided for a while. And even I was burned out of people for a while. It was just, yeah. it was yeah. so much. Yeah. And so then we had to make sure we adjust. It reminds me of uh, the one thing uh, Gary Keller and Jay Papazan talk about there's no such thing as work-life balance. It's work-life balancing. Mm-hmm. It's a verb. And I've always loved that. It's like things go out of whack sometimes. And if you're mm-hmm. cognizant of it, and this is where coaching comes in so helpful uh, yeah. and working with you, Jason, for years has been when every other week you and I talk, it allows me to question where am I and where do I need to move back to center? Mm-hmm. Where are we out of balance? And uh, yeah, marriage counseling, therapy, all that's good for that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Next question. So in the course of life, people are usually traveling one direction until they read. Usually it's a, oftentimes it's a book that makes mm-hmm. them pivot their lives. I call those pivot books. Mm-hmm. So what are three pivot books in your last, you know, 20, 30 years of life uh, that has changed the direction of your life a little bit? Just three. One book I, one back, <laughs> one book I reread that I love is The Alchemist. Mm, yeah. I love that book. Why do you love that book? Because people have different reasons for loving that I book. I love that book because... It really talks about the power of following the process of life and like letting life lead the way. Mm. And right now I've been like last year in business was really the year of figuring out what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It was, that was all <laughs> last year. Right. And the more I let go, what I'm finding right now, the more I let go, the more magic happens. Mm. So like faith has become a really important part of my life right now. And that book is just such a great example that what we're actually seeking isn't actually what we're seeking. Mm. And if, we, mm-hmm. and, if we, and if we pay attention to the signs, 
you life is trying to help you, but most times we're not paying attention. Mm. So I love looking for signs and clues and synchronicities and things like that in life. That's great. Mm-hmm. Alexis? Uh, the whole brain child. Oh, was, yeah, I read that. Yeah, great. it was pivotal. I'm sure I read it in school. And uh, yeah, I think it's changed the way that I parent. Shafali Sabari also has a ton of great books on radical parenting. So that's great. yeah, the, right. that's a big one. I like it. Well, you want to do, let's do three total. So that was one, two. What's one more book between the two of you? Is there any that you've ever read together that you both changed your life? I don't, I don't know. think so. Have we ever read one together? We've tried to get each other to read our books. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you should read this one. Read no. This one. Yeah. <laughs> no. This one. Same with my wife and I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't read a lot of fiction. I mostly read nonfiction. But The Alchemist. Yeah. The Alchemist. We've both read that one and taken Matt separate Con. things. Some Matt Con books we've yeah. both read, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Matt Con. Uh, Matt you've Con. mentioned him before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a spiritual speaker. A lot of his work has really helped me integrate my relationship with myself. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think everything. He's got like, whatever arises, love that. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, let's move on toward the end of the show. Where can people follow you, connect with each of you, and learn more about you at? You can learn more about me on my Instagram, Alexis Dries, and Parent Academy will be coming out June 1. So you can connect with me there. In the meantime, I Alexis have... AlexisDries.com. Yep, AlexisDries.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Jason Dries Coaching. You can uh, find me there. Very also cool. Instagram, but... Okay. Not as active as visible as you are on Instagram. <laughs> I'm, a little, so. I'm a little crazy on Instagram right now uh, in a good way, I think. Are you still doing one-on-one coaching? What's your coaching platform look like at this point? Just so people are aware of yeah. like, if they want to work with you, how does that work? Yeah. Jason Reese Coaching does one-on-one coaching. I do coach myself. I also have a team of coaches that I work with. And we do a group coaching program that meets once a month or once a week as well called Mindset Academy. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you. You're the best. I appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Great yeah. to be here. And that is the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on this show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.